Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. A meta review of the Shutter streaming service and creep show. <laughs> Hello everyone. Uh we're back. We're back from our pseudo one week kind of a break <laughs> from the from the uh, sh veritable hailstorm of content that came this spooky season. But spooky season doesn't end. It continues on in our hearts, in our minds, and in the ghosts we evoke in this world. How's it going, John? Uh, good. good. Yeah, and you are correct. Halloween is not a time. It is a state of mind. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't choose to be haunted. The haunting just happens. Yeah, you know, we can't help but be goth as fuck. That's, it's just, <laughs> just what we do. <laughs> I'm so goth. I have a goth podcast. It's, it literally says goth on my master's degree, and that's like that's like my ultimate I'm a goth trump card. Uh, same here. Same here. Yep. <laughs> We're so spooky, it hurts. Uh, but very excited, very glad to be back. Super excited to be talking about um, today's slightly, slightly more interesting, slightly stranger topic than usual. Yeah, it's going to be a unique episode. We're trying something uh, very different <laughs> with today's episode of HV. And if it doesn't work, maybe we'll just make this a patrons-only episode. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't work, this is going to be a two-hour loop of our uh, Patreon music, our little Patreon stinger made by the wonderful and amazing Labor Kyle. You can reach him on Twitter and through spectral communication lines. And it sounds a little something like this. This program was made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Go to patreon.com slash horrorvanguard and get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Thank you. You'll forgive me if I don't stay around to watch. I just can't cope with freaky stuff. So before before we jump into so I guess I guess well I'll, I will I'll let the the haunted cat out of the spooky bag. Mm -hmm. um, so so today's episode we're talking about Shutter, the streaming service. Um, and and right off the top, I want to say this is we're not we're not affiliated with Shutter at all. I don't know if they know that we exist. <laughs> this is not this is not like a paid promotion or anything. They didn't ask us to do this. We're not getting like any any kind of uh, uh kickback for this we're just we're just doing it because it's the horror movie streaming service and we're a horror movie review podcast exactly. so it seems natural at some point that we would talk about them um but i just write it right at the top i just want to say this isn't a paid promotion we have no formal relationship with them uh in in all honesty i would be surprised <laughs> if they knew that we had a podcast i you know what they should know who we are. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I mean, Sorry. That's yeah, like a, that's like a power move just to be like, hey, gigantic, incredibly successful company. What about our show? <laughs> I mean, I think I think, it, you know, what it, what it tells me is not about our success or fame or infamy. It tells me about the culture <laughs> of, of this kind of a, this kind of a, a streaming service that they're not well versed in our catalog at this point. 
that was that was a bit of humor and satire <laughs> In, indeed but um, no ash is completely correct we are in no way affiliated we are not we are not this is in no sense a a paid promo um, but we are going to be talking about Shudder. We're going to be talking about the things about the platform that we think are interesting, um, the things that we think are maybe worthy of critique. And then we're going to do a bit of a kind of deeper dive into a couple of things that we have both been watching on Shudder recently to kind of talk about what we think the various strengths and weaknesses of the stuff they've been helping put out are. But maybe we should start. We should start on the kind of positive side of things, and the the stuff that actually I think both of us are kind of enthusiastic about, which is the things that kind of, you know, I think I think there's a lot about Shudder that horror fans should totally be into. And if you want to find out more about horror as an art form or as a mode of media, um, Shudder would be a really good place to start. So there's like lots of things that I think are really positive about this, right? Oh, oh yeah, no, totally. I think like. I mean, like, for what it's worth, we both, like, I've had a Shudder subscription since 2016, like, around when it came out, because mm -hmm. it's a horror movie streaming service, and I love horror movies, and it's just kind of, it was a logical dovetail that just happened organically, and they have yep. a lot of, they have a lot of, like, uh, this sounds like such a commercial, they have a lot of great original content. If you want to see the best and latest cutting-edge horror <laughs> movies, head to Shudder.com, like... It, it, like like i don't want to sound like an advertisement but i do like i love the movies that appear on shutter and the interviews and stuff but again not an advertisement <laughs> yeah exactly i mean like let's i think maybe the biggest one and the one that maybe most people have heard about is horror noir um the documentary about um uh black and people of color in uh the history of horror cinema um if you've never seen it it's it's maybe one of the first things I would suggest to people watch. It's uh, just an incredible documentary. It's really well put together. All of the experts in it are, are great, and it's going to introduce you to so many like landmark films in in the history of black horror cinema that you may not have known about that are totally something you should check out. Yeah, and I think that this is when the content on Shutter is at its best. You know, because there's a lot of like, it's, it's it's like any streaming service, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's just not there for you. It's there for other people. Mm -hmm. um, but like horror noir, they have a lot of like, like curated content from like Elijah Wood, Rob Zombie uh, have been on there in the past for like with their like artist curators and like that and horror noir. Those are really like in like knife heart, like they have a lot of like original great content that I think is what makes this worth it for me it's like it's that stuff like i love seeing some some like horror director that i love doing like a curated set of movies that informs their art i loved horror noir that was just a phenomenal little documentary that was just incredible i watched it a couple times and i will no doubt continue to watch it um but yeah like all that stuff is great uh, i there's also like uh kind of historical stuff it's not on there permanently but um, I, I don't know if it's still there, but they had a few of Roger Corman's Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, like from the 70s mm -hmm. on there. There was um, like some uh, slightly, slightly more obscure Dario Argento films, some old Romero films and some older kind of rarer stuff, which is a bit a bit more difficult to, to, to kind of track down. And the thing that's good about that is like the majority of stuff that's on streaming platforms, not not Shudder specifically, 
but on streaming platforms generally is stuff that's been made within the last five to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And and what that means is that it's difficult to get a sense of the kind of historicity of a genre um, or any kind of form, right? You know, we, we are critics of an art form that's really new. And I think it's really important that we kind of like look at how horror has developed historically and having wide access to like key or kind of landmark or really influential films from the history of horror cinema is super important. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And like, I think that's, that's in favor to it being as specific as it is, right? Because this is a horror only streaming service. They can, they, they can flesh things out better. They can dive in a little deeper than like a Netflix or something is, is permitted to do based on what it is. And then like right now they've got a bunch of like Vincent Price movies up there. And like, yeah, like a lot of this Corman stuff, a lot of this Vincent Price stuff, a lot of old Giallo movies, they're, I'll use the phrase public domain enough that you can find them virtually. You could probably find all these Vincent Price movies just on YouTube uploaded by dozens of different accounts. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't need shutter to find this stuff, but like, you know, it it is nice to just be flicking through, like scrolling through a Netflix style app, looking for something to watch. And then it's like, Oh, here's a suite of Vincent Price movies. You know, maybe you haven't seen one of these. Here's a suite of Corman ones, like having that, that curation is so, is so I think good. It's so it's so nice for me when I don't know what to watch, and like I don't know I don't know what I don't know is out there, and it's cool to just see some stuff pop up, and that is is much appreciated. Their and, curation is better than like algorithm or more algorithmically driven stuff that appears on other sites. And like this idea that I don't know about you, but like one of the first ways in which I discovered um horror movies is this idea of like you turn on the tv one night and you kind of stumble across something right that's a very that's mm-hmm. a, a classic thing and i feel like that the the curated selection offers you the almost the same kind of opportunity like you can log in and you can just be like oh i've never seen this before and because because it's been curated you can go yeah okay i'll give it a go and you might end up finding something that you really enjoy Oh yeah, yeah. Like I leave the they have like a Shutter TV feature that just kind of like God, this sounds like such a commercial, <laughs> but it just kind of like it's like always playing some random horror movie, and I'll just like pop that on in the background while I'm doing stuff, and it's like it's a great way to like you know rediscover old favorites, stumble across new stuff, and then like I would have never seen Ganja and Hess if it wasn't for the fact it was uploaded to Shutter. I would have just never stumbled across that. Same with Knife Heart. Yeah. Um, just cool. <laughs> uh. All right. Instead of instead of kind of just talking about all of the stuff, uh, oh, there's one more thing that, that that I think we should bring up, which uh, will make us sound like we're doing we're doing promo for them, but we are not. Um, which is like a lot of the 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 new and original stuff they've been helping to put out is honestly really good, and there's a couple of things specifically that I know people want us to talk about on the show. Um, things like uh, Color Out of Space and Blood Quantum. I know loads of people in our Discord have been asking us to talk about those. But like putting out stuff which is like politically engaged, socially aware, trying to put forward mm-hmm. some, kind of, some kind of critique at the same time as making just a damn good horror movie. I think that's something that we should be 
kind of encouraged, you know, feel feel pretty good about that. That's actually something that's happening in the form that we kind of care about. Yeah, and I mean the fact that horror noir was one of the first like flagship things to for Shutter to carry, like I think that that's a good direction to be heading in. You know, is it far enough? Absolutely not. Is it is it just a great thing to see? One hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Um, should we should we talk a little bit about like maybe some of the things that we are a little bit more less positive about? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that is that is our nature, is it not? <laughs> I'll start. I'll start us off nice and light. The gulag. I love it to death. You could have more ghoul. It could be a little spoopier. That's all I'm saying. It's a wonderful ghoul log. But, you know, when I what I look for in a ghoul log is WNUF Halloween special. Oh, <laughs> so good. Uh, but there but there but there's a pointless a pointless little critique. I want spoopier ghoul logs. That's that's the that's the most uh pointless thing I've ever said on the show. <laughs> I I kind of think like there is like so basically the elevator pitch is that Shudder is Netflix but but just for horror fans. Um and I think it's it's well worth pointing out that the economics and structures and ways in which Netflix runs are not necessarily entirely positive. Uh so for example, like it has a massive impact on what kind of films get produced. Um is very algorithmically determined. Netflix know, for example, that if you cancel, you'll get more, you'll get more subscribers, more people joining up. If you announce a new show, then you will, if you announce that you're renewing a, sh- a show for its third or fourth season, which is why a lot of Netflix shows don't make it that far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, there, there are downsides, right? To having horror be determined by, uh, structural forces which are interested solely in maximizing return because a lot of horror a lot of like the really great horror was made basically by people who either didn't think they would make any money off it or didn't really care if they were going to you know i'm thinking of like something like something like blood feast would that be would that have been made if it was made under the conditions of kind of like algorithmic content what's going to return the best kind of analytics what's going to generate the most kind of revenue i I don't know i don't know if this is kind of an abstract concern or maybe this is a um maybe this is a, a concern that for some people just feels like complaining that we now have access to this uh streaming service of horror but i'm like is this going to impact the kind of horror that's made and that gets popular in a way that means that we miss out on stuff, which is potentially weirder or potentially less, um, uh, less easily mass marketed or something, which is maybe, I don't know, just slightly more abstract or, or strange. What do you think? I mean, so we we like to talk about art in society as if it was somehow free from society, right? Like we, we like to present art as if it doesn't have material realities like the rest of us, you know, like when we talk about like everything else in the world around us, we, we acknowledge the fact that money and materiality plays a role in it. Right. Yeah. You know, like, you know, when we, when we talk about clothes, like, you know, we know you can buy better materials and sturdier clothing of a, of a finer design if you've got the money. 
to, to do that or the time to learn the skills to make it yourself. You know, we, we talk about building homes the same way. We talk about vehicles the same way. But when it comes time to art, you know, we lose the fact that like it, it is a craft. You know, these are craftspeople at work refining and honing these artistic pieces we're enjoying. And the, the material reality of how that process gets funded and how that process gets distributed, it, it definitely comes into play here. I think for Shutter's part, it's definitely been supporting a, a diverse set of interesting content. You know, I think like, because Netflix is really shameless, like a, a lot of stuff that comes out of Netflix just is bad yeah, <laughs> or yeah, becomes yeah. bad quickly. <clears throat> but like the, the, the content quality at Shutter has been a lot higher. I think probably probably because it's smaller and it's intentionally uh, uh, tightened its focus down on horror. So it doesn't have to like slosh about as much as Netflix does. <clears throat> but I also think like, I, I think your point is correct, right? You know, if you made, if you made the 2020 equivalent of blood feast and you were like, Hey, Shutter, can I show this? They would, they would say no, you know, like that, that's going straight to Amazon direct to video you know, like where, where there are no, where no one asks questions and people upload garbage 24 seven. Yeah, exactly. And like, and I, but I think that's kind of, that's kind of the way it's always been, you know, because like when blood feast came out, like nobody's picking that thing up, you know, that, that, that's, that's playing, you know, low class theaters, right? Like that's not, it's not critically recognized for the art piece it is until decades later despite having a cult fandom and following, right? And I think the blood feasts that are being made today in 2020, those are being released much more independently, you know, or or even entirely independently and uploaded to like YouTube or Vimeo or something, right? <clears throat> that's kind of that's kind of the nature of those things, isn't it? It's only going to be like 10, 20, 30 years from now that we start looking back at 2020 and being like, wow, like, the seed of truly definitional art was planted by these these yahoos in i don't know central wisconsin who are uploading stuff directly to youtube or something you know like like uh, so that one it's it's kind of hard to to critique on that because of how how much everything has changed and the fact that like that kind of outsider art if you will for that term is just always inherently and necessarily on the margins of a you know capitalistic apparatus yeah i mean i guess i guess like what we're saying is that form in some way is is not totally determining but kind of is determining to a degree of content so like the form of the horror is taking on shudder is in some way going to be influential on the kind of horror that gets made absolutely yes and that you know that's 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 true of any kind of platform of any kind of mechanism for um for kind of distributing ideas or distributing media but it is also something to be aware of i 100 percent agree with that so so <laughs> oh. no, go on go on you do the no, segue no. you do the segue I, I, I was just going to say, so before we move on to a, uh, a critique that will be more familiar to our audience, are there any other like meta topics we wanted to touch on in relation to like what Shudder is? Um, no, I mean, the, the like, I think maybe the thing that I, well, one other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is like 
to what extent does horror need to be popular in the kind of widespread cultural imagination? Uh, I don't know if this is like a super contrarian thing to say. And maybe in a sense, I am kind of being kind of super contrarian, but it's like if Shudder is going to make horror super popular and super mainstream, is that in some sense a bit of a problem? Um, so I, I think, I think the problem, it doesn't come with the popularity of the media itself. The problem comes with the fact that like, let's say, let's say that, um, and, and to our listeners, I apologize if you hear, uh, rampant construction sounds in the background, but there's rampant construction going on right now in my apartment complex. Um, but, uh, so I think that the problem is though, isn't in and of itself, the popularity of, of a given piece of media. I think the problem is capitalism. The problem is like, let's say, let's say I create a, a new monster, right? It's a, it's a demon toaster, right? Let's have, let's have fun with this hypothetic here. Um, demon toaster is the new hottest movie that's ever been created. It gets released on shutter. It's by, by a wide margin, the single most popular movie on the site. Like, you know, the financial interest is not going to be able to turn a blind eye to that. Right. Yeah. People are, people are going to be like, okay, uh, graphic novel spinoff t-shirts, video game uh uh movie distribution deal outside of a video on demand service tv show right like it's the 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 capitalism will force a piece of art to metastasize and and become everything and everywhere and, and make it inescapable you know and then and then that ultimately like would dilute and and take away from the core of what made it good to begin with a lot of things can't weather that storm Right, because a lot of stuff like it's just not built to to be able to do that to just kind of become every single type of media, and then you'll get like, you know, like Demon Toaster Monopoly, right? And it'll just be everywhere, and it'll be saccharin and Funko Popized, and like that. I think is the problem, and that has less to do with what becomes popular, and that again, like to go back to what I was saying earlier, I think that has everything to do with the material realities of what popularity is in our contemporary society. Popularity isn't just a mark of artistic and critical success. Popularity is a, it's a death knell for, for the, for the approach of, of the hungry wolves of angel investors and people who have like a little green around the lips. Yeah, no, I agree. And you, you've put it far better than I could. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's bad that maybe more people might end up getting into horror. Um, you put it much better than that. Um, that there are kind of problems when any kind of uh, kind of cultural mode of production becomes grabs the attempt attention of the the kind of capitalist leeches that will uh, try and hollow it out of any artistic content, package it up, and sell it back to people. That's where the problems come in. So I guess um uh maybe th- that that isn't a reflection on the kind of content that shutter um host or, or help uh, come into the world but is is a kind of bigger bigger kind of point about the ways in which capitalism has become truly a, a culture has become truly part of like capitalist modes of production yeah yeah and i, I would say for shutter's part in this i don't think that the content that has been curated for the streaming service has fallen into that yet. Yeah, totally. Like I, I, I don't, I don't, 
I, I watch a lot of shutter programming and I don't think I've seen something on there yet where I'm like, okay, this is a shameless cash grab. You know, like it's like there's there's nothing that's nearly as bad as seasons two, three of uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Which is like, that's like a, a great modern example. The season one of Stranger Things, it's a fun exploration of nostalgia and monsters and this kind of Lovecraftian intrigue. And then by the time we get to like the last season of Stranger Things, it's like anti-communist Reaganite propaganda, you know, like it's just completely off the rails. But but for Shudder's part, like there's kind of nothing on there that's that's quite at that level of just kind of greed and depravity. Yeah, I would I would I would definitely agree with you there. So that's another that's another check in the Shudder positives box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, this is this this experience is interesting, right? doing doing a meta review of of a streaming service this is actually really fun (laughs) it is it is um but however and i digress we we have we have built this show on uh approximately 110 episodes of of very critical theory-driven movie analysis. And uh, that is what people come to expect from us. Um, so I think I think the best way to talk about Shudder is to kind of compare and contrast one of their best original pieces with, I think, their worst original piece. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk about Creepshow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. For um, listeners who are maybe unaware, can you can you kind of just very quickly contextualize Creepshow a little bit? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Creepshow starts in 1982, and it's a horror comedy anthology directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King. Right, it's, it stars Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson. Uh, right, this is this is a a full steam ahead. All kinds of talent behind this project horror anthology. Yeah, just the fucking all stars. <laughs> right, they, they we've got our crypt keeper style framing narratives that are popping up. Right, the the stories are all kind of um, they're how I, how I like to describe it is that these are fairy tales. Right, like that. That is what Creepshow is at its core. It's fairy tales, but for goths and for people who love horror. Because in the, in the classic construct of a fairy tale, you have uh, you have the learning of a moral that happens through the course of the story. And and you know, in fairy tales, it'll be like, oh, someone gets transformed into a lion, and then they have to learn how to good do good deeds, and then they'll be a person again. Yeah. But in the context of Creepshow, it's like someone does a double homicide, thinks they've gotten away with it, and then they're killed by zombies. Like, uh, you know, there, there's that there's that poetry, there's that morality, there's that kind of roundedness to the Creepshow story. Yeah, I, 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 I really think that's a great way of putting it. And it's like, what I like about Creepshow is that it doesn't shy away from this kind of didactic function that horror has. Right? Horror's, horror's something that is supposed to have a kind of not always, but it can have a, a very distinct moral core. You know, it's uh, I, I like I like the way you put it. That's like a it's like a fairy tale, and um, I think that's true. And I think it rests on a really old kind of narrative impulse, which is like, oh, don't go down 
that dark path because you're going to end up in trouble. Uh, and you get to see how that works out in Creepshow. And it's so fun. It's just, it's like, it, it's it's scary fun for, for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I think like, yeah, and, Cre- and Creepshow, Creepshow's aged really well too. It's like Creepshow 2, phenomenal, even, even though like, uh, uh, I think King left that one. I mean, it was it was Romero and some other guy doing it, and then Creepshow three. No one remembers Creepshow three. We have collectively memory hold Creepshow three. <laughs> yep, for for good reason. We have uh, consigned that one to the deepest cores of our collective psyche. And so, like Shutter, Shutter did a uh, Creepshow. Right, they revived Creepshow last year, uh, and they they announced that they were going to do their own season of Creepshow. And like, you know, we we live in a time of rampant reboots where where anybody who has enough money to buy the license to some to some long dead property is going to try to dig it up to turn a dollar. And uh, it was Shutter's turn. Shutter's Shutter's turn at bat with Creepshow. Yeah. Um. I gotta say, season one of the Shutter Creepshow, incredible. It's on par with the first Creepshow, in my opinion. And I'm not being hyperbolic or anything like this is on par with the romero king creep show i am currently making my way through through it i haven't watched all of it yet and i would i would completely agree it's really solid yeah no i i think like i did a episode by episode review on the horror vanguard patreon page (laughs) but like uh I, I kind of liked all of them. Bad Wolf Down is my favorite because it's a bunch of werewolves, uh, uh, you know, defeating a fucking Nazi army, and that's very <laughs> cool. And then like um, All Hallows Eve has like the perfect creep show setup and the perfect, you know, creep show's got that twist ending right at the end, and it just sticks the knife in. And like the, the All Hallows Eve was a great example of that. The man, uh, the man in the suitcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, a perfect example of labor under capitalism. If if you want to dig into that one, it's so good. Um, the companion is is really really fun. I think that one is like probably the most fun um, out of out of all of them. It was pretty good. Uh, I'm just trying to like remember off the top of my head the rest of them. Um, uh, Times is tough and Musky Holler was very like this is very prescient for 2019 because you've got werewolves defeating Nazis. You've got a Trump esque politician getting his in the end. Um, and, and like, it's good. These are good. Uh, yeah, like I say, I'm still I'm still making my way through them. I've really enjoyed the ones I've seen so far. I think I'm what three or four episodes in. And yeah, and as you said, yeah, it's not it's clearly not just like a shameless a shameless cash grab with like name recognition yeah no this this was that the first season of creep show felt like a love letter to the original creep show it had it had everything i wanted it didn't and and it it, it took the hard way too right there, there there's a couple there's a couple kind of like uh, shrug worthy computer generated effects that are very noticeable but like there's a lot of practical work that really stands out especially in a time when like everybody goes the easy route to abuse the uh non-unionized people that are at a lot of those cgi companies yeah and like but there's a lot of like there was really good production in here like like just a lot of fun to be had genuinely enjoyable and it's got that like 
to, to me, what makes Creepshow tick, like what makes Creepshow really good is it's got that, it's got those twists. It's, it's creepy and they're all fairy tales. You know, they've got that morality. They've got that same kind of storytelling energy to them. Like, you know, and, and those EC comics vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's nothing not to celebrate in Creepshow. Like Creepshow is an act of celebration, you know, when you make a good Creepshow. Yeah, it's because it, it it needs to be kind of like structurally and tonally bang on because it has to be scary, it has to be funny, and it has to have a kind of like um, didacticism to it. Like you have to learn something, you know. You have to, you know, your your monsters have to have to get their comeuppance. Good uh, comes out on top. And there always is the kind of twist, right? There is the twist where you realize what the story was about all along. And I think tonally that's difficult to do, right? If you want to do a kind of like, here's the moral of the story, it's difficult to do that in a way that isn't kind of preachy. But I've never, like, that's never been an issue. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I completely agree. And like, uh, you know, a lot of the creep show is pretty spot on. Like, like the the kind of like moral core of creep show, I think, makes for really engaging cinema. Because this is like, um, we we should do more creep show content in the future, specifically addressed to it. But like, creep show is really doing a lot of what we like to talk about. You know, it's got it's yeah, got yeah, fantastic yeah. craft. It's it's a clear love and celebration of horror as as a genre. And then on on top of that, like it, it's not shying away from discourse. It's not shying away from tough conversations, right? And, and like especially the new Shutter stuff, like Bad Wolf Down, is is quite literally. So it's a, uh, like the quick outline of the plot is a bunch of uh, American soldiers in World War II get pinned down inside this like makeshift prison somewhere in a German forest, a Nazi German forest, and like there's some woman in a jail cell. And, you know, by and by, like, you know, they realize they're all about to die. And she's like, actually, I could turn you all into werewolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, the, the Nazis bust in thinking they're going to have an easy win mowing down these, like, tired and worn out Americans. But they're all werewolves. And the last, like, five minutes is just werewolves ripping Nazis apart. Great. Love, love it. Love everything about it. <laughs> right. Wrap that up with a bow. You know, like, that's just, you know, chef's kiss. Mag- magnifique. Um, and then, like, uh, Man in a Suitcase, besides being the, the best song by the police, um, is, like, really, 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 really good. It's so, it's it's not afraid to talk about extracting the value from someone else's labor and the physical pain that causes them, right? Literally pulling the gold out of someone's body, yeah. right? And, and, and imprisoning them in order to do it and forcing them in, into this life. And in the end, like... You know, the, the people who are the, the metaphoric bosses in that episode, they get theirs in the end. They get what's coming. And like uh, Times is Tough and Musky Holler is literally about a Trump style politician uh, uh, poorly handling a pandemic and getting his in the end. You know, I really do. I think you're completely correct that we absolutely should do like uh, maybe a couple of creep show episodes on creep show classic and the 2019 series let us know let us know if you'd like us to do that because i think that would be a fun thing to talk about yeah yeah and again like uh please please head to my review of creep show 2019 at horror vanguard 
our Patreon. <laughs> it's three Patreon plugs this episode. We're setting a new record. Uh, I mean, it, people should. It's a good. It's a good episode by episode guide. But if we've talked about the fact that kind of creep show is horror as morality st- story as fairy tale as you know you're going to get yours in the end and you can do that in a way that is contemporary without being moralistic or judgmental or overly simplistic mm-hmm. let's talk about how this manages to get monumentally fucked up <laughs> and i think uh, it's like oh oh go on no no go on go on oh i was just gonna, i think it's like so so when we set out to do this episode, we wanted to talk about Shudder as a platform and as a streaming service. And I think like by and by, we kind of both realized that the best way we can do that is to talk about the good and the bad in terms of, of cinematic engagement you can find here. And I think there's there's a kind of a, a harmony and a parsimony and just a general uh, completeness in the fact that pr- from my estimation, the, the single best thing on Shudder is Creepshow. And the single worst thing on Shudder is a Creepshow animated special. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, watched it today. Utter garbage on on the on on a technical level, but also as we're going to talk about, uh, I think I think borderline reactionary. Um, and if if this specifically represents the the travel of direction for for Shudder's work. Then you know we should be deeply concerned. I don't think it does. I don't think it does, but it is. It is just awful. It's a massive stumble coming after the twenty or twenty nineteen Creepshow series. Like this is. I was really excited when I saw they did a Creepshow animated special. Like the 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 cover art's fantastic. Like really, it was really 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 excited because just because of how good the twenty nineteen Creepshow was. Because again, like I can't stress this enough. This is on par. The 2019 Creepshow on par with Romero and King, right? This this is Creepshow firing on all cylinders, Creepshow the way it needs to be, the best possible way to revive the Creepshow franchise, and they nailed it. And then 2020 comes and they do this animated special, and it's just like, this is worse than the 2006 Creepshow 3. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's just awful. What's worse is that it generally got okay reviews, like, a lot of the horror review sites said this was really, really cool and really fun. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing, horror critic community? <laughs> what are you doing? That, that's pure saccharine nostalgia, you know? Like, that's not a critical engagement. And, and if it is a critical engagement, it's one that's not aware of the social and political context in which this creep show emerges, um, so let's let, let's talk about the episodes. I think the first one we can bang out really quickly because in Survivor type, um, and I'll I'll just uh, read the description right from Shutter's own website. In Survivor type, a scrappy surgeon crash lands on a desert island. His life hadn't been easy up to this point, but the new challenges he faces will test his limits. How strong is his will to survive? It's it's all right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's boring and it's not very well written, uh, but it's fine. It's not substantially broken. Um, it's it's very it's very weird that it's Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's deeply weird, um, especially because the implication is that he's like an an Italian American 
New York guy, but he can't really do that accent or that voice because it's just Kiefer Sutherland. Um, so uh, that that's my first big problem. Secondly, I think the writing is is not very good, um, and and makes the the kind of overall point of this little episode less clear to people who are watching it. And I think like, so all of the good, all the best entries into the episodic world of Creepshow, they're very direct about what they're trying to communicate. They they are not afraid to be shy, right? Like Creepshow is not the subtlety of cowards. Creepshow is, you know, right or wrong, it is going to jump up in your face with what it's trying to communicate to you. And so, so the basic plot of survivor type is this this guy grows up in, in kind of a, a poor, downtrodden neighborhood in New York, and he wants to be a surgeon, but along the way, he's got to do a bunch of stuff that he doesn't want to do, right? Like, he he has to, like, uh, be, be a bookie. He has to deal drugs. You know, he rats some people out to the FBI, right? Like, he, you know, it's a hard knock life in a rough neighborhood, but, hey, he gets his dream. You know, he becomes a surgeon, um, but then like, oh, he had one, somebody calls in a favor. He's got to do one last dirty deed before he can, he can lead the life he's been working towards. And like on his way to ship heroin back to New York, he crash lands on this deserted little Island and then winds up eating his own body. Yeah. And like, I mean, like, cause it's not even a twist, right? If you, if you didn't see this twist coming, congratulations on seeing your first movie. Yeah. But well like, done. Well, uh, a weird first choice, but good for you. I, I, I probably would have started with like the Winnie the Pooh films or something and worked my way up to this. But I mean, hey, you know, I'm not a parent, so I won't judge. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it, there, there's no there, there, there's kind of no lesson here. This is this is this is this is less creep show and this is more Saw. You know, not, not even Saw because Saw Saw is in effect like the R-rated creep show. Saw Saw's hardcore body horror creep show. You know, because yeah. it's the same, like a bunch of people stuck in a weird situation and it's all like morality and fairy tale. Yeah. But, like there's no, the, the, there's no core to survivor type. It's just a very unfortunate situation. Yeah. That plays out over the course of 25 minutes. You see, this is what I mean when I say that the writing actually makes the, is, this, this is structurally kind of broken because for this to work, <laughs> it needs to be that the act of self-consumption is in some way a kind of ironic twist right that's what that's what any good creep show short story rests on it rests on this kind of like ironic reversal right where someone who thinks they're living the high life gets what's coming to them um and this this is kind of like written and characterized so weirdly that you don't get that at all so uh there's like one moment where he's in 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 uh school playing football getting a getting a scholarship to go to to med school <clears throat> and he's obsessed with protecting his hands uh and this this idea of like being selfish but also trying to keep one's hands clean that there's a there's there's some characterization right you could do something with that you know, he might be a surgeon who deliberately avoids any risky surgery. So he refuses to help people because it might make him look bad. Or, you know, he's he's kind of 
involved in uh, violent crime, but all of the violence happens to others and is never done by his own hand. That would make this ironic reversal of him ending up uh, eating his own hand to 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 kind of like feel like it had some weight or it had some kind of like importance, but it's communicated so badly. You just go, oh well, he's going to end up eating the only body that's left, which is his, and you realize that ten minutes in. And and this is this is kind of what I mean when I said like this movie really like the the Creepshow animated special isn't really aware of kind of like the cultural and political world that it's been made in, you know like this because like no nobody becomes a drug runner because when they were five they they want to be a drug runner and that's like the world's greatest job or whatever like these are these are jobs that people pick up when they're forced to the margins of society right and even if you want to provide people with kind of like enhanced chemical experiences or whatever and like a, a better political state right like that that's a different impulse than than the life that this guy's been forced into you know, like the, this guy isn't like, oh, I'm like growing mushrooms and I'm I'm an advocate for psychedelics. And now I'm going to like try and smuggle these psychedelics back to America to help my political cause. He's he's just a poor person who's trying to deal with a life designed to make it, everything hard for him. And like that's and then he eats his own hands, you know, and, like and, it's, and also, it's incomplete. I think, like, I think you're being like super charitable, which is like I am. <laughs> Which is which is very typical of you because you're a very generous critic. But it's like we never like if you're going to do this arc, right? You know, he's involved in in uh, crime or criminal activity because he's trying to achieve his dream. There has to be a sense in which you kind of use it to overcome a struggle, right? Does he get into med school? Uh, does he get into med school by uh, financing his education with the proceeds of crime? No, he gets a scholarship. Uh, at any point, do we see him struggle with not having enough money or like not being able to buy something or having to go hungry before he washes up on this island? No, never. So all all that happens is we're told that in in direct exposition, oh, mm-hmm. I grew up really poor. But we never actually get to see that, and so and so this idea of like, you know, becoming a bookie and like running scams and and maybe working as an enforcer to overcome, you know, uh, economic struggle doesn't have any weight to it narratively because all that's happened is we saw him get a med school scholarship and he carried on making lots of money through being a bookie. It's just it's the writing in it is super it's it's not good. It is not well written at all. And so you're right, what we end up with is like, oh, this kind of unpleasant guy ended up eating his hand. <laughs> that's that's what this first bit is about. <laughs> right. And and there's there's such like it's just like uh eh. it's a massive shrug, just this guy eats his hand. That's it. It's it's really like there's not there's not a lot to talk about with this first one because you're right. It's very it's very underwritten. Like the stuff it, it needed to cook more. This needed to go through some more drafts. It's it's uh, I would say incomplete. Uh, and then we move on to the second one, which is uh, not merely satisfied with being uh, incomplete, is also uh, maybe one of the most reactionary pieces of media I've sat through lately. And uh, genuinely made me kind of angry uh, at having to watch it. Um, would you mind? Would you mind kind of explaining what the second uh, of the of the animated specials is about? 
Yes, um, and this this one will even test my usual uh, composure and generosity as a critic of cinema. <laughs> um, here's here's the here's the summary from Shutter's website again. In twittering from the circus of the dead, Blake's mother is making a family trip more like a torture than a vacation. But when they pull off the road to see a sinister circus, things become even worse than Blake could have imagined. the The basic plot here: Blake is a teenage girl. Um, mid high school, uh, she's got a younger brother who's maybe like 12, 13. And then her bog standard, long suffering dork parents. And she, she is the bog standard petulant teenager for whom everything is terrible and the end of the world and bad. And, uh, they go to a, uh, they have to take a detour in the middle of the desert. And then they see a sign that says spoopy carnival. And everyone's in hazmat suits, and they sit down, and guess what? It's full of zombies, and they're all dead. Yeah, that's the plot. That's the basic plot. And again, like the the, the kind of the, the creep show twists and drama completely missing. You know, like right right at the beginning, she's like, "I'd rather be dead than on this vacation." And then we're like, "Okay, now we know oh. what's going to happen." Rot row, <laughs> right? And wah, then, and then wah, the, wah, wah. <laughs> the second she sits down in the circus thing, she's like, "Wow, it smells like I'm surrounded by a bunch of corpses here," and it's just like, "Gee whiz, pop, what's going to happen in this piece of cinema?" <laughs> you know, it's it's very, again, underwritten, incomplete. This, this is this is trite and well worn territory. Uh, and, but it's but it, like the the thing is it's not just trite and and well worn, um, although it a hundred percent is, it it is also like virulently virulently misogynistic. This is this is yes. a this is a section which hates its main character, hates teenage girls uh, particularly. I think um, it just hates it just it, 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 so like. This, yeah, you're completely right. Right, it's just straight up misogyny in this this last segment. Yeah, because she is constantly tweeting. She's tweeting about um, how annoying her her mother is, how much she hates her family, how much she wishes she were dead, uh, and like the film, the 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 episode is just like, yep, okay, well, that's what we're gonna give you. Um, it's just. And also, can we just can we just say that not only the, is the writing trite, the writing is fucking dreadful. This is oh my okay. So there's a scene where our so you know our teenage girl is the narrator, right? And this is meant to be this is meant to be a, a 15 or 16 year old girl in the year of our Lord 2020, right? And and they're buying tickets from this guy in a hazmat suit who's who's heavier set, scraggly facial hair, sucking down a cigar. And and the teenage girl says something like, "He looks like Mickey Rooney." If I know who that, if I knew who that was, and and like that uh. was painful to to listen to because like that's a meta joke written by some guy who's in his like late forties or fifties for other guys in their forties or fifties making fun of teenage girls for not knowing who this pop culture figure is. Yeah, it's it. This is this is written by. Um, this is a hundred percent written by a middle-aged guy who ha- didn't bother running the script by anyone who wasn't a middle-aged guy. It's fucking dreadful. It's just utter garbage. Um, the protagonist speaks in this combination of what um, boomers think the the young people talk like nowadays, 
and like 90s pop cultural references and slang and it's just awful um they're constantly tweeting about everything um so it's like they're live tweeting this detour and their circus and their eventual death um and it's kind of covered in this veneer of of like boomerish moralism about you know those damn zoomers and their 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 snapchats and their instagrams uh and their tweeting um and it just treats her with utter contempt yes and like it like so the twittering from the circus of the dead was written by joe hill who we we should all know as stephen king's son and like uh that's not great that doesn't bode well right uh survivor type itself uh is a story by stephen king also like again like it's stephen king incredibly hit or fucking miss here so like the, the these are two old dudes trying to write these stories and just falling flat on their face and like yes uh twittering from the circus of the dead is just like this is 100% like a man in his late 40s trying to to write a petulant teenage girl without like any insight or consideration or like shaping and it just winds up being the most like those damn kids on their cell phones day and night I'll show them and, and can we also talk about how uh twittering from the sex of the dead talks about her brother as well mm-hmm because was it just me or was that really gross? Uh, yeah. So, so, so here's the kind of the, the so this uh, Blake, our main character, 15, 16. So that means her, her younger brother, probably like 12, 13, something like that. Early teens, late tweens kind of thing. Um, she, she goes in this whole rant about how he's disgusting for trying on her leggings. Right, so her, her little brother's trying on her leggings. He likes wearing women's clothes, is, is the hint that we're being given by the story. She dares him to wear a skirt to this little roadside diner, and he wears a skirt and leggings, and, like, mom's cracking up because she thinks it's a joke. It's making dad uncomfortable. and But the whole time she's talking about how her brother is, like, weak and effeminate, you know, um, and it winds up, like, I, I don't know if this is homophobic or transphobic or, like, just queerphobic more broadly, but, like, the the joke here, like, because these are jokes and they're being made at the expense of a, a young teenage person trying to figure out, like, gender identity or sexuality. And it's like, that is incredibly fucking shitty. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not done in a way that could provoke complicated conversation. It's not like, oh, she's so petulant. She doesn't care about her brother. It's all social media for her. You know, it, it's no, it's just like these jokes are at the expense of this person and by extension people like people in that condition and phenomenally in this this whole uh twittering from the circus of the dead is phenomenally infuriating yeah it's 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 like girls girls be girls be tweeting that's the moral that's that's the moral of the story and it's like really is that is that is that it is that is that what we're gonna get here is this is this the big kind of like horror as fairy tale message which is like hey you ungrateful uh brat be more grateful that you've got a family and get off your damn phone that that seems to be what the intention is here 
Yeah, yeah, one one hundred percent. And like this, this in turn makes this a piece of reactionary cinema, right? Like this is a horrible fucking message to to tack into your thing because the message here isn't that social media is is bad or distracts us from the world around us or is somehow making discourse worse the message here is that teenage girls are bad yeah like and that that's incredibly broken right because like and again like you know i, I keep repeating this but i keep repeating this because it's so important when when it comes to the criticism of art that you must understand history and you must understand the material and political realities of the moment in which a piece of art exists and that will fundamentally shape it, right? That That is inexorable. We are at a moment, and not just in American history, but history all over the world right now that is being shaped by people on social media, right? We have all of these like, like far-right extremist groups on social media reshaping our cultural dialogue, you know, like, like anti-vax movements, you know, like all, all of this stuff. Like the, the hotbed of this is like Facebook groups, you know, message boards, where these people are fomenting and breeding these hateful ideologies. And, and so the, what is the critical anal analysis offered by Shudder and their new animated creep show? It's teenage girls are, are oblivious. And that is it, it is, it is scaldingly misogynistic to, to put something out like this that is just so, honestly, this is willfully ignorant of the world that we live in. And that is as nice as I can be about this. It's just wrong. And also, we know the the idea is like she doesn't realize it's it's that there's zombies, uh, you know, because she's too busy, like tweeting to to getting that content out there. But it's like we know that some of the savviest, most information literate, most conscious users of social media are younger generations. And I'm like, there was. There is the potential to make this an interesting story. But what you do is you stop focusing on this idea of like young people as credulous, pe you know, fools who are too obsessed with their phones to be aware of what what they're talking about, what they're looking at. And instead you focus on the generation that actually has proven itself to be credulous and obsessed with social media and prone to conspiracy theories and to reactionary politics, which are boomers. Right. If they'd, Absolutely. If they had made this and it was like the parents decide to go and the parents are like, oh, I saw this in this Facebook group about great things to do with your kids on holiday. And the kids are like, we should definitely leave because I think we're about to die. And they'd be like, you're just so ungrateful. Why aren't, why, why aren't you being more involved? Don't you believe that this is a good idea? Don't you trust the information that I found on Facebook? Like, there's an interesting story. And it, it, we can we can go further than this, right? Because like you know, like look look at the 2019 live action creep show, right? We 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 got we got Bad Wolf down, and this is 2019, right? We get Bad Wolf down, where werewolves are literally fighting Nazis, right? This is last year, and they're putting this out, and then we, and then we have uh, Times is Tough and Musky Holler, where a very Trump style politician gets eaten by zombies at the end as comeuppance for his crimes, right? Like these these aren't sh the, the, these programs aren't afraid to go there and, and, and to see what is to be seen in political discourse and in, in what this could have been 
is we kept getting focuses. The, the camera would kept like focusing mom in such a way. She was wearing this really prominent cross necklace that never comes up. You know, like I, I kept waiting for the twist where she, she's like an evangelical Christian and this is some kind of like evangelical death cult thing. Yeah, that, that's that, that's just an, uh, an, an artistic detail that doesn't matter. You know, and, and like dad's there too. And like, you know, we even get the scene where dad's like, oh, like, they, so her brother gets hit in the ac- his chest with an axe and turns into a zombie. And and she, for the first time, is like, oh my God, this is real. This is horrible. We need to leave. But dad's like, oh no, honey, it was done with special effects. Here's how they did it. Yeah. And like, what this could have been is this could have been mom and dad as part of like some of these horrible fucking Facebook groups, you know, like, the, like this, this anti-vaxxer QAnon stuff. Right. And it, and it could have been like dad going like, oh, no, honey, like those those aren't real people getting eaten by zombies. Those are crisis actors. Yeah. You know, you know, j- just like in that last major shooting or just j- just like at that protest, you know, these people are paid to be here by by those globalist billionaires, you know, and then, oh, it turns out that he's the one who's beleaguered and misguided by his willful ignorance and he gets his entire family killed for it. And it's like the animated creep show and especially twittering from the circus of the dead is pure cowardice if i'm being nice about it i i honestly i like we we have talked a lot about uh controversial media media that is not critically well regarded uh and i think we have always found interesting positives to bring out of it like uh almost almost entirely in the stuff that we talk, we talked about i don't think we've ever talked about something where i've just finished watching it and gone i think that was written by like a 52 year old republican who hates women and that's what i think about this yeah no i'm i'm a huge proponent of the fact that even even the most salacious uh low low brow uh to, to use a phrase i do not like using because it's based on phrenology but like to e- even the most disregarded uh, uh, trash of cinema and culture has within it beautiful seeds wonderful 100%. things worth discussing it, ideas that can grip and engage and that these 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 boundaries are often just just driven by nothing more than bigotry and classism and racism and things like that for twittering from the circus of the dead i am moved to i think for the first time say there is nothing here but a barren field you know it's it's like it's like those um that communications exercise where you try to make a sign for a nuclear waste site that would that would still be legible (laughs) thousands of years from now and it's like like the land here is vile, nothing can be saved, turn your children away and weep or something like that. Like I, we need, we need to memory hole this one and, you know, maybe just replace it with the creep show three. If we, if we have to fill it, we, if we, if we have to backfill with something, let's backfill with creep show three. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. There is, it's, it's just, it's just deeply unpleasant. Um, and it just, it just, uh, because, because your punishment, like, let's, let's, let's kind of, I want to unpack the ending just a little bit. The ending is, uh, cause Blake is our protagonist. And so if a good creep show episode has to end with our protagonist getting what's theirs or getting their comeuppance, her comeuppance is to be the next torture victim in this zombie circus of the dead for the crime of 
being an ungrateful teenager. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't get how you miss what makes Creepshow interesting this badly without either a kind of willful ignorance of who, who of who kind of watches this stuff or uh, just uh, a kind of desperate avoiding of the actual realities of the problem you're trying to confront. No, I, I, I completely agree. The, it would, it would either take a, an exercise of contemporary just raw ignorance of the world around us to get to the point of creating this, this thing, or it, it takes more than complacency. It takes willing support, right? Because that is the end of this movie. A teenage girl is going to get tortured to death, hanging by rope over zombies. Right. And like that, is a moral lesson. And I, I think we yeah. need to be very clear about this. Like, you know, um, survivor type, it, 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 like it, it fails because it's boring and it's undercooked, right? You could, you could have made survivor type really good, really quickly by just making him greedy, you know, like he, he's yeah. a high, he's a high flying surgeon now and he's forgotten his, his hard timey roots. And like grandma comes knocking and he's like, get lost old lady. I got mine. And then like, but, but oh, oh, the big dealer's coming by and he's like, I'll do another run for the money, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. He's, he's greedy and he's so greedy. He consumes himself. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. yeah there we go. Makes salute. Sense. It took me three seconds to fix that. Hire me. Like, but no, but this there's, it's complete. This is a finished product, right? This is thought out. This is conducted, right? This is actively in support of, of a misogynistic worldview that despises queer people, that despises young women. And for that, it, it is beyond a zero uh, shouting horror vanguard skulls out of five. It is, it is a, an object worthy of scorn. Yeah, because the end is, as a viewer, the whole point of the, of, of this kind of like, fairy tale horror this morality tale horror is you're supposed to go yeah that's right that's right you know we're supposed to go yeah he was selfish it is fitting that he end up consuming him literally consuming his own body because that's what consumption as your main mindset will get you in the world eventually you'll end up running out of things to consume so you'll have to consume yourself that's why we should you know try not to do that and with this one you you are the film wants you to end by going yeah that's right teenage girls do do deserve to be tortured to death for tweeting that's that's what the logic is here and uh if you think this is good uh and here it's worth addressing the kind of uh relatively high number of of uh, horror critics and fans that gave this positive reviews um you need to uh consider why you are so empirically provably wrong about this being good and this isn't this isn't like so there's a lot of stuff i and i want to be clear about this there's a lot of stuff on shutter that i don't like because i just don't like it there's there's a lot of yeah, stuff where, where the absolutely where the artistic style does not speak to me where like i'm not i'm not a big tv show guy you know like and that's why creep, i like creep show so much because creep show is a is a tv show and i love it you know it's got that serialized tv show nature to it and it's still really good and i'm just kind of not into that style of programming but like you know like and like there's there's, there's stuff i don't like because i don't like the aesthetics right and like go go through our back catalog on this show 
you know, like we are, we are diving deeply into these movies and like digging at the core of all of them. And like, you know, there's, there's, I, I will say this time and time again, but like, there are very few pieces of cinema that are abject you know, even the worst cultural detritus has things worth talking about, has lessons, has, has thought, has things we should communicate on. If that is to exist, and twi twittering from the circus of the dead, it exists as a dire warning for how a, a uh, you know, a writer or a filmmaker's ignorance uh, can accidentally recreate the worst of conservative propaganda. Yeah, completely agree. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah welcome to our first and only negative review of literally anything <laughs> uh it's it's real bad the people who wrote it were hacks um shutter don't do any more stuff like this <laughs> right seriously shutter shutter just lost to the first of their batting a thousand prior to this one and, and again, like, you know, I, I think the negativity of this might have overshadowed our earlier comments, but like, I genuinely enjoy Shudder's programming. And I, I really loved the 2019 Creepshow run. You know, there, there were there were parts of the 2019 Creepshow run that I didn't enjoy very much. Grey Matter was all right. You know, really wasn't my thing, but like, not, not anything like this. And like, to, to go from Bad Wolf Down and Times is Tough and Musky Holler and like the 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 rest of that creep show it's just like shocking and the only thing i can think is that like there was supposed to be a, a proper 2020 entry into this creep show franchise but of course coronavirus yeah. uh, shut down a lot of production for for a lot of people in television and filmmaking and you know like this is a motion comic is another thing to put up there it's uh you know like that's that's a pretty it's an accessible animation technique right if you've got if you're you're kind of like savvy using like Adobe software, you can become a motion comic artist pretty quickly. Not in terms of the drawing itself, but in terms of the actual making the motion, uh, making the animation rather. And like the artistic style in these is fine. Like this, the, the the drawings themselves are good. I have no no complaints about that. They're they're finely done. Um, but like this this does seem to be a very hastily constructed product. Uh, possibly only in existence because they needed to quickly fill the slot that would have been taken by a proper creep show. Yeah, I think so. And and maybe maybe that's another kind of like a warning sign that I, I, I don't often say this. I don't in fact I don't think I've ever said it on this show. It would be better if they hadn't bothered. If they just you know, just cut the cut the like if you look at it from a purely financial point of view, cut the losses, right? Save the money that would have gone into the production and roll it over into next quarter if you have to consider things from that point of view. But to to produce this utter drag, um, it, it honestly it, it's honestly made me a little embarrassed for them, especially when you think about how fun and engaging and interesting uh creep show from 2019 uh was and is shaping up to be as I make my way through it. Um, but yeah, this shouldn't this shouldn't detract from the fact that there is an awful lot on there that's really good. Um, I rewatched Maniac the other day, which is really nice. fun. Uh, it, it's just it's just uh, just a real good time. Uh, Tigers are not afraid is on there. Uh, things like uh, Blood Quantum, you know, some super interesting stuff. Uh, and cr a Creepshow animated special deserved better than this. Infinitely better, and like. 
if this is your first time listening to 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 our show, right? If you, if you've come to this for the first time and you're thinking like, oh, these guys are like those those contrarian film critics that you find on YouTube or whatever, that are, that are just looking to to beat up content for clicks. Like, I think this is the first time we've ever been seriously negative about anything we've covered on the show because we we like more complicated discourse than that. Yeah, and like I am just I was watching this was it's the first time in maybe five or six years that I've been just beside myself, you know, watching, watching a piece of spoopy content, a, a spoopy film and just my, my word. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not good. Shudder. Interesting. Good. Uh, a, a kind of healthy and encouraging sign for horror media. Um, there are things that maybe, uh like uh kind of good critics should keep an eye out for and we should be thinking about carefully the ways in which distribution and production impact the kind of horror that we get to 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 see um but i think on balance good interesting kind of like something positive that horror fans should definitely check out uh the creep show animated special really bad maybe the worst thing that we have ever had to sit through um should we should we wrap things up there yeah the the only the only thing that i wanted to add to this was that like what we were saying at the top of the show right that like the the media that we enjoy is like art art is not hewn from some non-existent stone It it doesn't exist in a separate dimension and then and then incur into ours it is it is crafted in the same context like art is labor you must work to create art and and just like all work it exists under the same social context that we go to work mm. and like it does not get to escape that it, it, if if anything it is more subject to it uh, for that and like perhaps the limitations of the the rapid pace of contemporary finance and coronavirus and the frail nature of these streaming services as financial ventures tend to be like maybe maybe that forced them in a position where they had to make some real quick real quick creep show animated stuff so they went they went with a style that's faster to produce they they had scripts that weren't properly complete you know and like and it's the last positive thing I'm going to say, but it's but it is a reminder to always keep in mind the material conditions under which cinema exists. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and leave it to you to to bring us round to a positive note. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> that's it for like like oh we got a D grim. That was a grim. You can tell you can tell it's election day here because there's there's there, there's like a somber mood in the air. Uh, yeah, but let's 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 focus on the good things. There are there are more uh, and better uh, horror media that is available now um, than than before, and Shudder is playing a big part in that, and that's a cool thing. That's a good thing, and we should, I think, on balance, I I, I am definitely pro Shudder. Um, I am not pro Creep Show animated special in the slightest. I, I was hard on it earlier, but really, if you're going to watch the Creep Show animated special, just put on the Gulag. It's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. 
Um, but let's let's wrap it up there. I mean, this has been a cool, uh, interesting experiment of an episode. We have never done this before, um, but it's it's been fun to kind of think about things on a, maybe on a slightly bigger scale and to kind of try and dig into um, Shudder rather than a specific film or, or TV show. Um, if you have enjoyed this, thank you very much for listening. Please do follow the show on Twitter. Follow me and Ash over on the Bird site as well. Um, and until next time, everybody, stay spooky. Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs> Ha 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 